How are you guys doing? Good to see everyone. My name is Corey. My wife was over here. She's the one with the blonde hair that was singing. Her name is Allie. Just to give you um, a slight idea of how we communicate with each other in our relationship. I call it um, very deep thinking. I would say that I'm a very deep thinker. Other people might call it weird thinking, but to each their own. We were at Sunny's the other night and we were sitting down and she got kind of serious and she looked at me and she goes, isn't it weird that at like two in the morning this place is empty and no one's here? And we kind of paused for a second and I looked around and I was like, yeah, that's really weird because right now it's like super busy and everyone's moving around and at two in the morning, I suspect no one is there. You know, the chairs are up. Those are the type of things that we talk to each other about. And Victoria joins in on that, John's wife. Um, she is also a very deep thinker and her and I can go back and forth and everyone else calls us weird. But this morning I was in the shower, or even before that we were in bed, and, um, and Allie goes, can you get up and turn off the fan? Because you know it's, it's like a horrible journey to take off the blanket and travel to the switch to turn the fan off. It's, it's really hard, but um, I make it work. That way I can come here and talk to you guys. So, so I decided, I looked at her and I thought, well, one of us has to be the man here. So I will take on that responsibility, and I threw the covers off, and you know, I, I didn't let it bother me. I walked right to the switch and turned it off, and I could see how proud she was, and I knew the morning was off right. And I was in the shower, and um, she was next, like, at the sink or whatever, getting ready. And I looked at her, and I said, we're on the same wavelength, and I looked at her, and I said, isn't it weird like how comfortable we are. And she knew what I was talking about. She goes, yeah. She said, it's crazy that I can just turn on the sink and like water comes out. And I was like, I know. Because I was thinking to myself, you know, I was cold and I jumped into like a warm shower. But if I wasn't born in this day and age, I imagine there was a lot more work to get warm, you know? Like I just wake up, turn off the fan, turn on the water and like flip a light switch on. It's crazy. It like baffles my mind, like how quick we get what we want. You know, like those are the type of things I think about. I don't know if everyone thinks about this. And this is another one. I just told Allie this this morning. She was having trouble following me because this was a little bit deeper in my opinion. But I always have this question in my head. If all like electronics, all the possessions that we owned simply disappeared, vanished, how long would it take us to get back to where we are? Are you guys following me here? Because I was talking to her and I was like, she's like, okay, so what's the first thing you'd have to do? And she's like, I guess we'd have to like come up with a light bulb first. And I was like, no, like first we'd have to figure out how to make a hammer. Like we'd have to find a rock and tie it with some vines or something like starting low so I don't know what you guys think about Sunday mornings but that's what my mind is thinking like I'm cold and I'm sitting in the warm shower thinking like the greatest minds of America in the world like how long would it take us with all of our knowledge so food for thought um you guys may go now 
how long would it take us before we could do something like that? I don't know. Anywho, I guess I will get into saying something that hopefully you get something out of. We'll see. Um, today, my title is Real Worship. Um, I wanted my dad to do the message because it was on worship. I wanted Allie to do it because it was on worship. And yet I am standing before you once again. So as you see, that didn't go as planned. So I might not talk as long today, but we'll see how it goes. Um, Real worship. I was really studying and thinking about this subject. And funny enough, the verse that I spent the longest looking at seems to have nothing to do with worship. But we're going to make it work. I've noticed in the church world, maybe you guys can agree, sometimes there's like two ends of the spectrum. There's like the far end that's fire and brimstone and all about damnation. And then there's the whole other end of the spectrum that's kind of the false grace type of message that says, do whatever you want. You don't need a relationship with Jesus because you're forgiven. Do whatever you want. And there's kind of like two far ends of the spectrum. And I personally have noticed, maybe it's just me, there's certain verses that each end of the spectrum love to quote, and certain verses they seem to steer clear of. Like they have their 10 verses that they quote all the time. Then they have their 10, 20 verses that kind of makes it a little bit confusing. It messes with their theology. I've never heard them blow that horn that many times. <laughs> I have no idea. It's like bring your toddler to work day or something, and he's just yanking on the chain. I don't know what's going on. But maybe um, you guys have noticed that. And me personally, I've kind of, I'm the person that I don't like to just hear stuff I agree with. Like, I'm the type of person that will go spend hours studying and listening to the people that I don't agree with just because I want to know both sides. Like, I want to be able to hear it all and find what I believe to be truth. So I've kind of wanted to do that a lot with the Bible, too. I don't just want to read stuff that makes me feel good. I also want to read stuff that can sometimes be challenging and hard to understand. And that's where we're going to go today. We're going to read one of those, at least I would call it a hard verse, and we'll kind of see how it goes. But before that, we're going to read an easy verse, all right? This is Romans 10, 13, all right? This is going to make you feel good. Are you ready? For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, you will be saved. Feel good? You ready? Here we go. Matthew 7, 21. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. All right. Romans 10, 13. Everyone who calls to the Lord will be saved. Matthew 7, 21. Not everyone who calls to the Lord will be saved. You good? All right. Here we go. I'm going to tell you one of my favorite quotes that I cling to constantly. There was this this man, and he said, I believe the Bible was written in conflict on purpose. That way you could only follow God by relationship and not by principle. Because there are certain things biblically, and this is why I believe a lot of people steer clear from certain verses, because I could pull out like 20 or 30 of these. There's a lot of things that sound like 
they're contradicting itself. It sounds like it's written in conflict, and I think it's truly because God doesn't want a bunch of people that are going to write A, B, C, D, X, Y, and Z on a list and say, this is what I have to do to honor God. He wants people to enter into relationships, so the only way you can follow him is through actually knowing him, not just knowing about him. So he goes on, I'll read it again, Matthew 7, 21. He says, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and performed many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's law. Yeah, didn't see me reading that one today. <laughs> um, it can be easy to read something like this and take a step back and go, that's not my good, good father. That's not, that doesn't sound like a God that's accepting of where I am. That doesn't sound like an understanding God, it can be easy to walk away with that, and I think that's why people don't like to quote it and don't like to read it very often, but it's pretty obvious that in this verse, they're talking to, or Jesus is talking to, two groups of people. He's talking to the group of people that those who don't do what God wants them to do, and those who do what God wants them to do, but have no relationship. So the first group is 21 only those who actually do the will of my Father will enter, so they're not doing God's will. And then the second group, they're doing everything. They're prophesying, they're casting out demons, they're performing many miracles, but it says, I never knew you. So back to the first group. Here's a group of people that supposedly called out, Lord, Lord, but never did anything. And it's an interesting subject because obviously you guys know many people that call themselves Christians. I'm not saying they are or aren't, but you never really see any fruit. They might say it, but they never do anything, you know? So God's saying, just because you call me Lord, it doesn't look like I'm your Lord, because I proclaim that he's Lord when I do what he told me to do. I might horribly suck at it, but I can still do what he asked me to do. It's not about perfection. It's about taking a step forward and choosing to follow his will, because it's, again, interesting. In conflict, the Bible says that it's through grace by faith that we're saved, but then faith without works is dead, <laughs> So it's by faith that we're saved, but then without our works, it's dead. Because it's, an, it's impossible for me to write it down in ABCs and say, this is how you truly follow God. This is the type of thing that you have to get alone with, and it's built through relationship. And it goes on to the second group. And he says, you did all these things, but I will reply, I never knew you. So here we actually come to the simple truth that 
you knowing God is not the most important thing in your life. You knowing God is not very important when it comes to the fact of God knowing you. That is the one thing that is more important than you knowing God. It is God knowing you. And I think to myself, well, how could Jesus say that he doesn't know us because the Bible also says he knows the hairs that are on our head. He knows our past, present, and future. He knows everything about us, but there's a difference between knowing about someone and actually knowing them in here because that comes from relationship. That comes from you allowing someone into your life. A couple weeks ago, maybe a month ago, Allie and I watched this documentary on Disney Plus, and it was about Taylor Swift. And I was a little hesitant at first because Allie likes to watch the weirdest things. Um, I find myself, she tells me I love it and that I will enjoy it. It's always about like makeup or like next top makeup artist or something and they're like in a chair and the clock's ticking and they're like drawing on an eyebrow and it's like intense music, you know? And I'm like, all right, <laughs> yep, those eyebrows kind of look the same to me, but they're very upset about one of them, you know? Like they take it very seriously and then there's like, you know, models and they have the material on the wall and someone will like drop the material on their foot and like the dramatic music plays and there's like a drop of blood and everyone's freaking out. <laughs> And I'm like, really? This is like the edge of your seat moment? That guy just dropped that roll of material on his foot. But whatever. She picked this documentary about Taylor Swift. And I was like, all right, you know, let's, let's get to know T. Swift. Here we go. And it started out, and I was really drawn in. Like, I'm not going to lie. It ended, and I was, I don't know, is there a fan name for, like, I know Justin Bieber's, like, The Believers. The Swifters. I was like, am I a Swifter after watching this? Because again, I found that T. Swift is super deep thinking, and I related to that. Like, all of her songs have really deep meaning, and I was like, yes, I relate. So we watched this, like, hour and a half documentary. It was super long. It was great. And she went through each one of her songs on the album and talked about, like, what inspired her. She talked about her family and her friends and her parents and her past and her little cat and all different kinds of things. And I really related with her because I started to know her. I knew that she likes to wear men's dress shoes with her dresses. I think that's really weird. Allie thought it was a fashion statement. I'm not a fan, but to each their own. Like, I started to know things about her. I knew things about her, her parents, about all different kinds of things. And I thought to myself, you know, now that I'm a Swifter, I could take it a step further, you know? Like, I could start selling T-shirts. I could start, you know, like, proclaiming her name, getting on top of my roof, and just screaming, we are never, ever getting back together, you know? <laughs> like, I can take it as far as I want, but yet if I went up to Taylor Swift, she would have no idea who I am because there was never an actual relationship moment because she has to let me into her life before she can actually know me. I can know all about her, but until she opens up, there's this form of relationship that it takes two sides. And as you know, God is not this abrasive 
God. He's not a God that comes in and wants to change everything in your life. He's all about free will, obviously, if you guys haven't caught on to that yet. And he's not going to go past where he's invited. So he, there might have been a lot of people that were doing the whole church thing, that were retweeting the Bible verses that say, like, retweet this in eight seconds or you're going to hell. He, they, like, people can retweet all of those, and they can go to church, and they can wear Bible t-shirts, and they can read their Bible and be Bible scholars. You can know all about God, but if God doesn't know you, I wonder if it's really worth it. I wonder if it gets you anything in the end. I was really thinking about this, and I was thinking about the subject of worship, because in John 4, there's like one of my favorite stories about the woman at the well, and Jesus goes up to this lady, and he's just talking to her, and oddly enough, he starts talking about worship, and he says, um, the Father is looking for true worshipers. I was like, well, that's weird, because... All my life, I was told the Father's looking for those that are going to do their 10 and 10 and read their Bible. Like, I don't know he was looking for worshipers. Like, obviously, Bible reading is important, but, like, the number one thing on his mind were worshipers. And he says, I'm looking for those that will worship me in spirit and in truth. I was like, yeah, I quoted that a lot. <laughs> I grew up reading that one. I'm going to worship God in spirit and in truth. But what does that mean? And I was, I was praying about it, and I was thinking about it, and you see, the worship God in spirit, it's pretty obvious. It's getting in alignment with the Holy Spirit, because we don't want to do things out of our own will. We want to align with God's spirit. It's getting in his will with what he's saying, with what he's doing. And that's what kind of the first, the second group was doing. They were getting in alignment. They were doing what he was asking, but there was no truth. You see, worshiping God in truth is coming before God with nothing hidden. Worshiping God in truth is coming and going, this is who I am. This is the good, the bad, the ugly. This is what I did last year, last night, <laughs> last week. It's coming before God with all that you are, and that's how he gets to know you, because there's this simple truth that's proclaimed a lot of times in Scripture that when you draw close to God, God also draws close to you, but because he's not abrasive, you have to be the one to draw close first. You have to be the one that says, I want to know you, and that's when God's able to step in and go, I've wanted to know you this whole time. He's not a God that looks at your faults and failures and say, well, you have to fix that before I can really do something. He's the God that comes with arms wide open and goes, I've been waiting for this moment. I've been waiting for you to invite me. I've been standing outside of Taylor Swift's gate for months now, and her security guard won't let me in. Like, I've just been waiting for that moment to be let in. And that's really kind of what Worship is worshiping in spirit and in truth. I think a lot of times we can get this visual that worship is playing a song and all of us singing because that's what we do and we call it worship practice and we call it worship where we all come in and we sing a song. But 
technically speaking, worship isn't just a song. Worship is a form of a lifestyle. It's learning to live with nothing hidden. It's learning to live by getting an alignment with God. That's why we were talking about a couple weeks ago about learning to be honest with God, learning to complain to God because your complaints are going to pour out somewhere. Because when you learn to have nothing hidden, that's when you'll learn to be a true worshiper because those are the people that God's looking for. It's become such a cliche and kind of churchy and weird word to consider yourself a worshiper, but yet those are the people that God's eyes are looking to and from throughout the earth, looking for true and authentic worshipers. It's really interesting to me, at least. I don't know how you guys feel about it. <laughs> um, where was I? So what is true worship? Like I said, worship isn't just a song. Why do we worship? Why would we want to live our lives with nothing hidden? Because worship is based on his worth. It's not based on our worth, it's based on his worth. I've heard so many people say before, well, like, I just wasn't really feeling it today. Like, I was feeling pretty emotional, so I don't want to, like, be raising my hands because that's unfair to God. Like, he deserves more than that, so I want to wait until I'm feeling better. And really what that does is that actually diminishes God's worth down to your emotional state which is an interesting way to live. Um, we have these two Britneys. They are extremely hyperactive, but we love them to death, um, probably more than anyone loves dogs, but we are obsessed with our dogs. Um, my male just caught a gopher the other day, and it was just the most proud moment of my life as he came running in with that large gopher in his mouth, and he was just like trotting along. He was so proud of himself. and. I was proud of him too. I said, you only have 284 more of those to go find, bud. Like <laughs> every time I let them out now, I'm like, go find the gophers. Like bring me their heads. You know, I want them. But they're, they're crazy dogs. They're hunting dogs. They love to run. And if you guys are into hunting dogs, you know that a lot of times they, they can do different things. But some types of hunting dogs, you'll let them out into the field to get the birds up in the air. You'll let them up into the field, and they'll run in zigzags until they find a scent. So they'll go back and forth and back and forth until they find the scent. And then once they find it, they're boom. And they'll point at it until you release them. Now, you can also train your dog to do this with a pair. I forget all the, the terms, but you'll take two dogs, you'll release them, and they will work off each other. So they'll go back and forth and back and forth until they find the scent. But this is the really cool thing. Sometimes one dog will be closer to the scent than the other. So once one dog locks in on the scent, boom, they freeze, they lock in. The other dog, out of courtesy and respect for the other one, will lock in on it as well before they smell it. So the first dog, boom, I smell it. The second dog doesn't smell it yet, but out of love and respect for their partner, boom, they lock in too. And I've noticed I have to sometimes do that when we're in here too, because sometimes I'll walk in the back door after I've been thinking about a lot or doing a lot and worship will be going on. 
and I'm not feeling it, but all of a sudden I see Caleb or I see Caleb. Did I say Caleb twice? I see Gary or I see Caleb. Caleb is really special, all right? Like, that's, that's what I do at night. I just, I say Caleb multiple times before I go to bed. Caleb, come on up here. No, I'm just kidding. All right, anyway, sometimes I'll walk into the back door and I will see Caleb or Gary, both of them do this. They'll just have their arms straight up in the air, stretched out, and I'll look at them and I'll go, I don't smell it yet, but I'll put my hand up. I don't see it yet, I don't feel it yet, but he's on to something. Because worship isn't based on my worth, it's based on his worth. And sometimes you might not feel it or you might not see it, you might not get the goosebumps, but it's realizing, you know what, it's not based on my worth, it's based on his worth, and I know for a fact they're leading us somewhere and my hands go up. Because the whole point of worship leaders, the reason why we have people up here, the reason why we do this, it's not so we can be Twitter famous and wear cool outfits. It's because we're trying to lead you into a place that many of us have been millions of times, millions of times throughout the week on our own, by ourselves. We're trying to lead you into that same place that we know really well. Just like a tour guide at the Grand Canyon or something like that, your goal is to lead them to the object. Your goal is to lead them to the destination so they can be amazed, but once you get them to the destination, you get out of the way. That is our goal as well. Our goal is to lead you to the destination, and once you see it, to slip away. That's our goal as a pastor. That's our goal as a worship leader. We just want to lead you into the truth that we've received, into his presence that we've been in more times than we can count because it is so good. It is so much better than you can possibly comprehend or imagine. We want to lead you there and then slowly slip away. We want your gaze on him and not on us. Worship is based on his worth, not yours. You know, um, worship and praise, I've noticed sometimes I believe why people get a little bit confused with the idea of worship is because we mix it with the idea of praise. So like I said, worship is not just a song, it's like a form of lifestyle. Okay, so worship is being fully known, aligning yourself with the presence, all right? Now, praise is something totally different, all right? Worship is an inward decision, an inward decision. Praise is an outward expression of an inward decision. So worship is in here. No, you can't tell if somebody's worshiping. They can have their hands in their pockets. They can be talking. They can be singing. They can have their arms crossed. There's no way to tell if someone is worshiping. Praising is something totally different. It is impossible to praise with your mouth closed and with your um, hands in your pockets because praise is an outward expression. I'll read you a verse. There's like countless verses in the Bible that will show you this. Anytime the word praise is used in the Bible, it's always in an action sense, because you cannot praise God 
without having some form of action, without singing, without playing an instrument, without moving your arms, because worship is inward, but praise is exward. So this is Psalms 153.6. It says, Praise him with a blast of the ram's horn. Praise him with the lyre and with the harp. Praise him with the tambourine and dancing. Praise him with strings and flutes. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with loud clanking gongs. Let everything that breathes sing to the Lord. Sing praises to the Lord. All right, did you notice how many different things there are? See, a lot of times in church, we can form this view that this is how you praise God. This is how you worship. When you come in, we're going to sing a song, and this is our time of worship. This is our time of praise. I believe that it's God's intent for you to learn to worship, for you to learn to praise, not when you're in here. Yes, when you're in here, but not just in here, but out there. You have to learn to be able to align yourself to be fully known, not just when you're here, but when you're at work and it's annoying and it's difficult and people are being rude. It's choosing to align yourself at that moment and say, oh yeah, I don't, ref- I don't work for them, I work for you. I'm not honoring them, I'm honoring you because my worship isn't based on their worth, it's based on your worth. Realizing that, oh, this doesn't have to be a Sunday morning thing, this can be a Tuesday night thing. When I've had an argument with my wife, when I feel like life isn't going too well, if you can learn to praise God in those moments, You have to realize there's one type of worship and one type of praise that you'll be able to give on earth that you'll never be able to give in heaven. And that's worshiping him through your struggles. You're not gonna have those in heaven. That's why there's just this special fragrance to worshiping him through your troubles and through your struggles. Because you can go, life might not look like it, but you're good. I might not feel like it, I might not feel like raising my hands. I might not feel like going to church, but you know what? Your worth isn't based on my emotions or my feelings because you are so much more. We're singing about the temple, and I love that subject. You guys have heard me talk about it before, but just the idea of the temple. The Bible says that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You know, back in Samuel, um, David keeps pestering God a little bit, like, I want to build your temple. I want to build a resting place for you. And God's kind of against it, and he finally goes, okay, your son can do it. Because, you see, God's intention was never to reside in a building. His intentions were to reside in you. His intentions were to work in you. We have to learn to worship not just when a song is playing, but when people are being rude to us, when we feel uncomfortable, when we feel like life isn't going well. We have to learn to get in alignment and be fully known because that's when relationship really comes. Why don't you guys stand for a minute? God, I don't want to just know about you. 
I want to actually know you. I might not have all the answers. I might not have all the schooling or all the recommendations, but I want to know you, God. I don't want to just read the stuff that sounds good to me. I want to read some of the difficult stuff because I don't want to just form an idea of you. I want to know the authentic you. I want to draw close to you so that you can draw close to me.